Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from the Herald Times, featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports. In print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device. From the Milton Metz Studio in the Radio TV Building at Indiana University, this is Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief from WFIU and WTIU. And it's officially spring, which means it's time for our spring gardening show. So we're going to give you the phone numbers here in just a second, and you can start calling in all your questions for our two gardening experts. We're joined again for this program by Helen May, the retired owner of May's Greenhouse, and Don Adamson, the retired manager of Bloomington Valley Nursery. If you want to join the program, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also submit comments by tweeting us at Noon Edition, and uh, we'll take all your questions here, and we'll try to get you the answers that uh, that you want. Sarah, we already have a bunch of questions. We do. Before we start asking yeah. these gardening-specific questions, I want to ask about May's greenhouse because I know they were really affected by that flooding we had back in February. It yeah. was terrific. It, it uh, uh, tore through the floor of the greenhouse and the potting sheds and, the green, and several of the greenhouses and the uh, warehouse, things on the floor, wet and nasty and, you know, and uh, washed all the perennial pots from one end of the greenhouse to the other, but the door didn't open, so they stayed in there. <laughs> and uh, we had lovely people come to help, uh, volunteers, and uh, even a couple restaurants uh, volunteered and, and brought food for the people. And uh, I was just amazing, and we're very grateful. Um, and they're getting pretty well back in shape now. Yeah. So, I mean, did they lose a lot of stuff that they had started? Well, yes. Some of the greenhouses, it just washed everything away, mostly young transplants. The perennials save state and the uh, uh, houseplant house, uh, it wasn't bad at all. It's a little higher. And... Uh, any place where things we had ahead of time, they had put things up on benches and uh, tables and so forth to try to prevent loss, but there was only so much they could do. And, um, yeah, there were a lot of things washed away, including seedlings and trays that were ready to transplant. Um, so it was a it was a big deal. Yeah. I was out yeah. there a few weeks ago and... I was impressed because I really – I couldn't tell as somebody who hadn't been out there, I guess, when it was so bad. But we got a bunch of pansies that looked beautiful. Yeah, they fortunately were, were up on benches, so they survived. And uh, uh, they've got a lot of young tomatoes and lettuce and all that stuff ready to go now. Uh, all right. It was, it was terrific and horribly discouraging to look at the first morning. Yeah. Oh, I'll bet it was. Yeah, the pictures were – Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty bad to look at. <laughs> yes. so. All right. We have some questions that have already come in. We're gonna, I'm going to ask this first one, which is a very general question. But what advice would you give to someone starting their very first garden this spring who might be a little bit intimidated? Do you have some, like, beginner advice for that each of you could give a tip or two? 
Well, I think you should uh, consider how much you can maybe take care of uh, through the summer because it is a a steady thing. And um, then you need to make a list of what you most seriously want to grow. You can't grow everything you want, especially the first year when you don't know what you're doing. Uh, If you want vegetables, you need to figure out spacing uh, of the plants so you know how many you've got room for. Uh, You need to ask someone at the garden center what kind of fertilizer would be best for your situation because you do need uh, for for plants to produce heavily or quickly, they need to be fed regularly. Uh, and you will need to give a little thought to pest control. Again, ask your local garden center person or a greenhouse uh, what bugs might be a pest and what you should look for. And certainly a, a nice book on the subject would be helpful. You can borrow one at the library. You don't have to buy it. Um, one thing that I find often people... <laughs> don't don't do enough soil preparation if you don't do that to start with you're going to be unhappy with the results you get so um, make sure and do good soil preparation ahead of time and that'll make everything work out a lot better and what's that entail what kind of things would well you if you can get a soil test or one thing a lot of people don't realize uh, much of this soil around here that's clay based and and the plants get too wet, and vegetable gardens often are messed up by, more by too much wetness than than not enough. So you need a good, pretty good porous soil. So you may need to add sand or something to make the soil more porous. So I was just going to follow up with a, another beginner question, just because I guess it just popped into my head. But you know, if you're going to plant a bunch of tomato plants, for instance, I mean, how many? Tomatoes? Can you expect to get off of a plant during the during the year? Well, it depends a lot on how well they do. Yeah, if it's a good and year, let's weather. say it's a good year. Yeah. Well, if you're just two people and you just want fresh tomatoes, yeah, uh, you probably don't need over three or four plants. If you're wanting to can, you're going to need more depending on how many, or you can freeze them. Um, but uh, the individual plant. Uh, well, once they start bearing, you get two or three or four per plant every several days or week at least. So uh, I don't know. My sister and I live together, and we planted four last year. And uh, due to several circumstances, which I won't mention, they did miserably, but we had all the fresh tomatoes we wanted to eat, even though they weren't doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Is it is there any advantage to staking or putting it in a cage? What do you all do? Well, you don't want to keep them off the ground because they rot. Yeah. So, I mean, do you all stake them or do you use a cage or what do you Either use? One. Does it matter? Either one's fine as long as you do it and keep keep doing it, you know, because they keep growing. Yeah. And what they do, they'll start to bear low on the plant. And when those are harvested, they're going to bear higher, so they've got to let them grow some length. And it's uh, nice to have some way to keep them from sprawling on the ground uh, because things can eat them, too, various uh, uh, insects and mice and turtles love them, box (laughs) turtles. Um, The ground is always wet, even in the summer when it's sitting dry, the, the, the 
because of the shade of the plants and everything. And so, like Helen said, you need to keep them off the ground as much as you can. Laurel Underwood is asking, what is the best way to transplant peonies? Well, you uh, long, what is it, August, early September? Yeah, the, uh, the time this, to do it. This is not a good time to transplant them, really. They, okay. can, they can be, though, but uh, just when you dig them up, make sure you get quite a bit of root with them. And if you're going to do it in the spring, do it now as soon as possible. But like Helen said, often fall is a better time. Yeah, this is not a good time to divide them if you wanted to divide them to make more plants. Fall would be the time to do that. And when you replant, you don't want to plant them too deep or they will not bloom well. Uh, the little eyes, the little pink and white eyes coming off the roots should be no more than two inches deep. And if you're planting a big clump, uh, you may ought to consider that it may sink over time. So be a little careful about your planting depth. Okay. All right. I'm going to give our numbers again so we can uh, get people that want to start giving us a call. We do have a caller already, but I want to give the numbers before we go into that. 812-855-0811 in Bloomington. 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And we have Jenny on the line. Jenny? Hello. Hey, Jenny. Helen, I, have a, I have a question about feverfuge. It's for Helen. I had it in the garden that I inherited, in not in Bloomington, mm-hmm. many years ago, and I always enjoyed it. I don't know anything about it in terms of obtaining any around here. I don't see it that often. Is it a good idea, bad idea? What can you tell me? A feverfuge is nice for, uh, it's a great filler for bouquets, and if you keep cutting back the hair, old dried up heads, it'll keep blooming for a long time. It does tend to spread somewhat. So, um, and it needs a lot of sun to make the best flowers. Um, It's not hard to control, but you may have to control it some. Um, I remember that. And it's... um, Actually, just just ask. You there are a couple three kinds. There's a single, uh, and there's doubles, and uh, no different colors. I don't think. Uh, but just ask your whoever's selling you perennials if they've got some feverfew, and they may have some tucked away somewhere. Uh, I don't know if they have it down at May's greenhouse, but uh, if they don't, uh, tell them you want some. <laughs> is this hey, a, thank you very much. Is this rare? Because I think in all these years we've been doing the show, I've never heard of fever few. Well, it's an old thing. It used to be grown some as an herb, I believe, for various, I don't know if it's medicinal purposes or what. Yeah, an herb. That's what I think I read once about yes. it. Huh. Huh. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for the call, Jenny. Thank you. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, we had a call from Barry, but it looks like we lost him, so we'll, we'll okay. get him back. I have a question about ajuga. Is there a way to keep it from spreading once it's started, and I don't want to get rid of it? Well, you, need you can spread it with <laughs> You can stop it spreading just by using weed killer oh. and edge it with it or because it, uh, it will spread, and, but it's a, it's a nice plant. But I know my son has it in his, has a bed of it, and it keeps popping up in his lawn, too. So he he just takes a little broadleafed weed killer, and you spray it in the grass, and it won't hurt the grass, but it uh, it will kill the ajuga. Okay. 
So it's it's easy to control, but uh, you, if you're wanting to control the bed, just take the the weed killer spray and just make you a line, and uh, and what you spray is gone. So we're here at the end of March. It'll be April on Monday. What what what's the best time of year, or what what's our window for planting? Going out and planting a bunch of annuals. Annuals, for the most part, there are some that are frostproof. But for the most part, you want to wait until you're pretty sure there's not going to be any frost. Used to, many years ago, I could have told you that probably the official last frost date, killing frost date, anymore the way the weather's acting, <laughs> that I don't know what to tell you. You just have to uh, check with your local garden shop or so forth. Uh, there are some plants... Uh, some annuals that will take a light frost without any hurt. Snapdragons are one, for instance. Uh, but uh, most of them are tender, and some of them are very tender. Uh, periwinkle or vinca is, uh, doesn't want any cold nights at all. So check with the person who's growing and selling to you. I'd, I'd wait probably at least another month. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, people get excited when spring comes and, and want to get out and, and enjoy the warm weather since we've had such a bad winter. But wait at least till in May sometime. Yeah, the official date used to be May 10th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can't trust that fight for the tender <laughs> ones anymore. I think I see magnolias and forsythia. Well, they're all, every, everything is going to come in bloom the same time this year. Because of all the cold weather we've had, everything's going to kind of pop at once. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. It will. It will. <laughs> we had a we had a call that you know we lost the caller, but he did leave a question. I don't know what happened uh, with it. Well, his his lawn. He's got a lot of moles and a lot of voles, and they're all eating everything except the weeds. What's he supposed to do about that? Well, we always get this question uh, on moles and. Yeah, so I, I went down to the garden center and asked asked them about it, to see if they had anything new. <laughs> and one thing they are carrying now, which we used to many years ago, is the castor uh, the castor oil that's set up to that you can broadcast over your lawn, and that just runs them off. So, but that we we always had reasonable results with that, and they have a material called. Molgo, that is basically a castor oil uh, formulation that uh, causes them to leave, and nothing nothing is foolproof. Or the the best is if you can trap them with a trap. Uh, and one uh, one other thing is to get rid of the grubs in your lawn. That you would do later into the, to the spring, but. That's some of the different possibilities for the moles, and they, I know they're terrible this year. Why? Just more grubs because of it's been wet? I don't know. I, I questioned them about that, too, you know, as to why moles were so bad, and nobody really has an answer but they, because the ground was frozen really solid this year, and usually that kind of deters them. Hmm. But uh, any of those things work sometimes and sometimes they don't. So. And mostly it's it's a temporary thing. You're not going to treat once and not have them ever again right. Right. because as soon as that material fades, they'll move back in because they're 
they get out at night and scurry around looking for new places. I've seen them crossing roads at night. Oh so, uh, uh, but you can kind of cut the numbers down and make it less of a problem. Um, the the old ladies used to stand out with their spade, and when they saw the ground moving, they'd hit the mole. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a good mole cat, but I don't lease it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know our caller, that, that's usually your advice, Helen, get a good cat. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask about deer because, you know, we we got moles and bulls. We might as well talk about deer now, too. Is there is there anything new about how to, how to keep uh, the deer out of your garden? Well, again, the one new deer repellent they have is called plant skid plant s-k-y-d-d and it's a it's a new product again it's this one is made from blood so uh but he says uh, it seems to work it's this is the first year they tried it some last year and and had quite good results from it he said so it's something that you might might consider trying, but it's an organic product. Like I say, it's for, there are other deer repellents that you can spray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say there are several deer repellents, but the main thing is you most of them you're going to have to repeat every right. so often because a good rain or two or three will uh, wash them away and the deer come back. That's one thing there, the company that makes this says it, say it lasts for a lot several months so uh, if it if it works as well as they say uh, we'll know more next year <laughs> yeah that sounds like something great to try though. and are there i i know there are certain you know when you go to the garden centers uh, there'll be some little signs that will say you know deer repellent plants mm-hmm. or deer don't like these or whatever what are the good what are good things that you might put in your yard if you're in a, a deer infested area well the best there's lists available on uh, deer resistant not deer proof deer resistant plants and they can uh, online there are are lists available for deer resistant plants yeah I think you could get a a copy of that at the greenhouse used Mm -hmm. to they put that out but like Don says it's uh, a sometime thing because what mama eats the baby will eat and if she's learned to like something it'll pass on to the next generation we got a question just asking if there were some plants you could plant that would just make your i think just your yard less attractive this sounds like less attractive well, yeah to deer oh, oh if to you deer. had something if that would i don't know put off some sort of smell maybe that yeah again on that list there's uh, if you add those plants to your landscape, uh, this will kind of deter them from even going into oh. there. And and this new one, this uh, plant skid, is uh, uh, supposedly will deter them from going in also. All right. We're going to go back to uh, Barry on the phone. He, he's the one who called about the voles and the moles. But go ahead, Barry. Hi. Uh, I live out in Greene County, and, uh, and the soil quality is pretty poor. Uh, to say clay would be a compliment. Um, but I'm having problems with moles, voles, and moss killing everything in the lawn except the weeds. I can't plant flowers. The voles eat the roots. They eat the bulbs. I can't put anything down. The voles undermine it. I can't even put flower boxes on the ground because they'll eat up 
through the bottom of the pot and get into the plant. Helen? All right, you need a cat or two. <laughs> not not a not an army of cats, but just a cat or two because they will thin out those that come above ground. Yeah, I'm ready to go catty shack and, as I said earlier. <laughs> and you rarely you'll get a cat that actually is serious and kind of digs after moles. But uh, uh-huh. that's not too often. But uh as for the moss, the the soil needs to be fertile. And yes. is it, is it lime. lime? You need yeah. lime. Lime, if, if, if you want to. lime. Yes. It, well, I have fertilized, and uh, it didn't seem to do much good. So. Well, that is that is what usually lime. happens. If you have mm-hmm. moss, you know, that means you need lime on your soil in order for okay. your fertilizer to work. And it, alkaline helps the uptake of the uh, nutrients, doesn't Yes, that is correct. The... Um, the um, I have applied lime in the past, and I didn't notice a difference. Well, it, again, with lime, you need to, if it's really acidic, which it sounds like that is, you need to put lime on uh, two or three times a year for a couple of years because ah, it takes, okay. takes a lot to get it back in the yes. proper acidity. All right. All right, thanks, Good. Barry. I'll I'll start with that and go candy shack with the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Our phone number is eight one two eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of the Bloomington area. Follow us uh, on Twitter at Noon Edition. We're having our annual gardening show. We've hit about halfway, so let's let people go to the phones, and we'll take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. From the Milton Met Studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. WFIU News covers south-central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIU News. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live, and you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, along with Sarah Whitmire, and we're talking with our gardening experts today, Helen May, the retired owner of May's Greenhouse, and Don Adamson, the retired manager of Bloomington Valley Nursery. We were peppering them with questions during the break about, you know, what kind of blood is it in that new... That new, uh, I don't, boy, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. So. I think it's mostly pig and cow blood. Yeah, so if anybody has uh, that question up there, I'm sorry. We can't answer that one for you. But if you have other questions, please give us a call at 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. Follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And I should mention we're on Facebook Live today. So if you want to see what's going on here in the studio you can go to Facebook Live and watch us. So, all right, Sarah. We got another question about moles asking how they asking how you can keep ones that are in your neighbor's yard from coming over. 
Well, again, it, if you get rid of the grubs in your lawn, and if you tr- or if you treat your lawn with the one, the material that has castor oil, and seemingly these products, uh, I think the castor oil affects their their fur. So uh, this will keep them out. They make now they may come into your lawn from the neighbors, but often they go right back out. Okay. That's what you want. Okay. But they may come into the edge. Uh, even though your lawn is treated, they may come into the edge, but hopefully they go back out. So let's talk about this whole issue of, of climate change. I mean, you know, it's it's not the issue of the day, but as people who spend a lot of time gardening and thinking about the weather, I mean, have you noticed any – are there differences that you're seeing now in terms of when to plant, when not when not to plant the – it just seems more uncertain what the temperatures and the weather will, will be is the only thing I can uh, say that it seems to be affecting. Uh, all the weather seems uncertain at this point, mm-hmm. much more than so than it used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, uncertain, and uh, you never know if you're going to get a nice rain or if it's going to be four inches, you know, and uh, that makes... A real problem for gardening. I suspect the farmers are really hurting uh, because uh, too much rain in the early spring means they can't get their planting done on time. And uh, then if you get a really hot spell later in the summer and dry, that's not good. And it's so up and down uh, that it's it's really quite serious. Mm -hmm. All right. We have a a phone call, so let's go to Patrick on the phone. Patrick? Hi there. Hey. Go right ahead. All right. Um, I just had a question about moles. You guys are talking about that. They really have been bad the last couple of years. Um, and I have purchased this winter those, um, I guess they're sonar, uh, those spikes that are solar power. They emit a high-pitched noise. And I was wondering if you guys have experience with that and if they work. Honestly, that's one I do not have any experience with. I have have not questioned them as to whether they had any good signs or or bad in regard to those. I don't know if you've heard anything, Ellen. Well, I have talked to a few people who weren't too enthused, but I don't really know. Um, The... um, the whole idea of making noise to keep them away is not terribly new. It's sonar is, but to bang, bang, banging and that sort of thing um, right. doesn't seem to work. I don't know. All you can do is try it and give us a report. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And if it doesn't work, I'll try the castor oil as well. Well, now, the ca- if you ever had to take a dose of castor oil, you know why the moles don't want anything to do with it. Uh, the, the, get it on their fur. It stinks. It's terrible. But that one has been used for a number of years, and we've had both good and bad reports. All right, okay, Patrick. well... Thank you so much. All right. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for your call. 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. Okay, a question about tulip bulbs. I have some left from last year. Can I still put them in the ground? You can if you're thrifty. 
But nine chances out of ten, they're not viable still. Okay. Along those same lines, what about onion sets? Will they still come up? Break one open. If it's still juicy inside, it may. If it's really withered and dry, don't trouble, don't bother you. And say you can you can put those out in the fall. I've just my sister just pulled a bunch out of our garden that she planted in the fall, and they were pretty nice little onions. Really, uh, they wintered through without any protection of any kind. Huh. All right, we're going to go back to the phone before I'm going to let Sarah keep. Find off these other questions, but we'll go back to the phone first. Andy's on the line. Andy? Yeah, hello. Hey, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was calling. Uh, I'd like to uh, get some type of natural barrier on uh, just as far as the road frontage, and I was wondering what you guys might suggest um, as far as shrubs or some type of small tree. Is it going to be important that it be a barrier both in winter and summer or just a summer barrier? Um, probably mainly just summer. And how tall do you need to block? Um, I would like it probably six feet or higher. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of deciduous type shrubs that they will grow faster usually than the evergreens. And, uh, but they're going to be bare in the winter. And many, many, many flowering-type shrubs that you need to check with the garden centers. And they'll have many, many different kinds. And just look at the height that they mature and uh, look at the flowers that they're going to have on them. And some of them will flower in spring. Some of them will flower late spring, some in the summer. So you can get a variety of things, or some people want uh, all the same. You can do that, or you can use the variety and get flowers uh, throughout the spring and summer by using okay. different varieties. So is that something, it's about 200 uh, feet long uh, along the roadside there that I'd like to have some type of cover? Is that something that you suggest then, some type of deciduous shrub? Right. They, uh, they will have different sizes to start with. And like I say, you can get uh, some with different flowering times at all. Uh, I like to use a combination of different things rather than only one particular variety. What would you like to use, Don? Okay. Well, depending on how big they get, there's lots of viburnums. That's a big family of plants. It's easy to work with, and some of them flower early in the spring and some flower later in the spring. And they're not something that uh, that critters are going to bother. They're easy to grow. So the family viburnum has many, many nice plants. That's that's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. I was just, just going to ask, uh, does that grow? Is that something, as far as the viburnums, is that something you buy and it's small and it, and it grows over time? Or are you growing, or is it something that you would purchase at full growth already? Oh, you can, you can buy many different sizes from a foot tall on up. Depending okay. how much you want, how much money you want to spend, and and how how willing you are to wait, but they grow okay. quite fast. And one thing you want to consider is how wide they get. Some shrubs now viburnums usually go pretty well up, but there's uh, 
a few varieties that will go 12, 14 feet wide as they uh, mature. So you want to check on that. And your nurseryman uh, or your nursery catalog uh, probably would be able to let give you some idea about that. Um, the... Um, there are many Birds other. Also, like the seeds. <laughs> yeah, there are many other varieties also. But uh, check in with your garden center. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the help. All right, Andy. Sarah, go back. Okay. We'll go back to you. Okay. Um, is it okay to start trimming irises back immediately after they stop blooming, or do you have to wait? Can you cut the plant off? Uh, generally. Uh, a good time to work on them is uh, end of June, July, early August, um, particularly if you're going to dig and transplant or divide something, uh, wait till July or August. Isn't there something about irises like when they bloom? If you transplant them, won't they not bloom that year? Am I wrong? Well, it depends on how big a division you make. You, certainly, if you plant some, transplant them in the spring, they probably won't bloom, but if you transplant them in the summer, they'll probably bloom the following spring. Uh, and early in the spring, now, go over and take all the old dry brown tops off because uh, that will help keep the, the borers out of the plants because they winter over as eggs sometimes in those leaves. Yeah. And another question about, um, you know, this is a person that doesn't have a lot of uh, sun in their yard, and they're asking for suggestions for shade plants, things that that might grow well. Evergreens or shrubs, or because is there anything with color? Well, you can have colored foliage. Now, one thing in the shade, uh, you won't have as many colors of foliage uh, on plants that will grow in the shade, but. Uh, you can there's several evergreen plants that will also survive in shade and and some of the uh, hydrangeas and azaleas rhododendron all of those need shade so uh, they're they're worth considering and the hydrangeas there's so many new ones out that will work quite well in shade but hydrangeas need a little sun Mm-hmm. So, but not much. The trouble I run into is I have a very shaded yard and I have the deer. So together it feels like I'm left with boxwood or something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of hostas in our in, in our shade and mm-hmm. deer really like those. They do. Yeah. Candy. <laughs> but again, check with the garden centers and they'll, they'll put you onto the right things. Okay. okay. I have a question about peat pots. Those little th- why why do some plants that I plant come in those and why do some not and yeah just curious. Well, generally, it just depends on whether the garden the the grower wants to use them or not. <laughs> you can bury a peat pot. You don't have to you know remove it, but it needs to be kind of broken up and completely buried because if it kind of sticks up through the surface of the soil, it'll dry out very ba- badly. Uh, but really, um, I have never had any reason to not grow a plant in a peat pot or a plastic pot, except the plastic is quicker and easier to handle when you're transplanting and so forth. And um, uh, 
little cheaper, I think, if yeah. I remember correctly. <laughs> I just didn't know if they provided any sort of nutrients or something. Well, or why. they will decay. Okay. You know, peat moss is good for especially clay soils that are tight. Uh, but uh, you should mix something in the soil before you plant anyway to improve the structure if it's like clay or something of that nature. Uh, but I have found no difference except that if they've been in the pots a little too long, they may all be all rooted together if they're in peat pots. And you may have a little trouble getting them separated into individual plants. Uh, and if you don't cover the pot completely, you will have a drying out problem. But peat pots are excellent because they do add some material to the soil. Okay. All right, we've got about 15 minutes to go, so there's still time to get your questions answered about gardening. This spring we're doing the show maybe a little bit earlier than we have in some years, so it'll give you a chance to really prepare for what you want to do. Give us a call in Bloomington, 812-855-0811, toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can tweet us at Noon Edition. You can also follow us today on Facebook. We're on Facebook Live. So what kind of plants do you guys try to grow either, you know, let's not talk about gardens and vegetables and food, but but what do you like to grow in your yards, Helen? Well, I am very fond of native flowering trees and some non-native ones. (laughs) Um, And um, I love iris, but I don't always keep up with the transplanting and dividing as that much as I should. Um, we have uh, a lot of hostas, which the deer love. I have a wildflower garden. Um, I've got uh, flowering shrubs, some lilacs, and some uh, other things that I'm very fond of. Uh, the uh, smaller native trees, uh, uh, things like uh, red bud, and there's a white form of red bud that's lovely. And um, I always use some annuals because they're reliable for color all summer long. Trouble with perennials is they bloom and then they're not, they're just green stuff. (laughs) So uh, you've got to have some annuals to ensure steady, steady bloom. Especially if, if you're doing containers, you want annuals. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my sister's crazy about uh, uh, hen and chickens and other succulents. She likes to grow those mm-hmm. and sedums, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and bulbs. I've got lots of, of narcissus and little bulbs, uh, scillas and... Uh, Anemones blanda and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like you've got quite a bit. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> right, right. I'm just the opposite. We don't have that many different plants in our lawn. We live in a woods, and we have lots of wildflowers and lots of ground cover plants because I like some green in the winter. And... Uh, then we have a lot of bulbs come up, like Helen said. They're easy to work with, but uh, uh, we don't have a lot of boxwood and that kind of stuff that's easy to take care of and that can survive both the shade and and the winters in this area. Okay. And, again, rhododendron, azaleas, that type thing. But 
we're very limited on what we'll even grow because most of our lawn has absolutely no sun for the whole year. All right. We have a couple of callers on the line, so let's go first to Sarah. Sarah? I have a big black walnut tree in my backyard, and, uh, I, you know, it kills off some things. And so I need recommendations for flowering shrubs or plants that will resist the black walnut tree. Oh, it seems like we get a black walnut question every right. year. So. And this yeah. is another thing you need to pick up. Uh, it, it will be on the Internet. Uh, there are certain plants that the walnut over the top is, or it's from the roots, actually, is deadly to many plants. Oh, I know. But uh, you you need to get you can get that list on the internet or from the garden centers. Helen, uh, any? Yeah, I think there's a, the the uh, garden center has a list. Uh, I've found that red buds will grow under, are very near to black walnuts. Uh, if you want shrubbery, um, I suspect that you should get a list because. Right. Um, because the the roots secrete a toxin that that uh, kills the other plants is the way it works, and but that's why you need to get a list on it. Okay, you, I was just hoping you had lists in your head. That's all. <laughs> uh, too many to have there. <laughs> all right, thanks, Sarah. Thanks a lot, and we're going to go next to Susan. Susan. Hi. Hi. I had a question concerning trumpet vine. I, when I purchased my condo, I also inherited a trumpet vine planted close to the house, and it has sent out, I've had the main plant dug, but it has all kinds of runners now that are taking over the whole garden area and even into the yard, and preferably the least toxic way I could get it out, um, using big guns only if I have to. But you may have to use a, a weed killing chemical to, to really get rid of. If you, do you want to get rid of all of it, or do you want to save some? No, I want it all gone. I would definitely go ahead and use a, a, a chemical then. That's that's really the only way to get rid of all of it because it will it will sprout back from any little branch. So you apply it to each individual little shoot that pops up. Yes, you can you can do that, or just spray that that area where the plant roots are. Uh, this is a good time of year when the new shoots come out. That's the best time of year to kill it. Well, just, I have an issue. I have an issue with using a lot of chemicals like that. Is there really not? There's there's nothing I can do that doesn't involve chemicals. You, you can mow it. will discourage it if it's uh, low enough that you can mow it, but that's discourage is right. the yeah. word. Uh, if but you by, really want to get rid of it, uh, it'll come back. Yeah. The, the, okay. You might mow to discourage it so that you don't have to use so many chemicals. Uh, I might try mowing it all summer and next spring see what comes up and try to treat it, treat it as it comes up. Well, because it's a condo, I don't have a lot of control oh. over that, and mm-hmm. it's taking over. It's getting into my neighbor's area, too, mm-hmm. which makes me feel responsible for it. So uh, using a minimum amount of chemical, if I applied it to each individual shoot, would yes. that 
Yes, you can get Roundup with a cone-shaped thingy on attached to the gallon container or whatever okay. size it is, and you can put that over the chute and spray and it, it treat feeds, individual shoots if they're small enough. It feeds through the foliage, so you do not have to spray on the ground. Oh, okay. It, it feeds through the foliage. Okay. Well, I'll give it a shot. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Bye-bye. Susan. And we have a call that came in, a um, question about the proper usage of mulch. We have this one a lot. I think I've asked this question before. <laughs> how, high do you, how high up the tree do you go? How far around a tree do you go? Well, around the tree doesn't matter, but don't fill up on the trunk of the tree over two inches because it can mess up the, uh, the bark of a tree. And you see people just pile it and pile it and pile it. And don't do that. It can mess up the tree. Okay. Okay. I I looked up just quickly here, black walnut on the extension. Um, this is really interesting because it says that some plants that might start being able to take being planted near a black walnut over time, then it can kill them. I mean, it's crazy. Um, one of the things they say is black-eyed Susans mm-hmm. can sometimes do okay. Um, and then Arborvitae is on here, Jacob's Ladder, Marigolds. It feels like those things can live anywhere. Um, <laughs> flocks. So those are, just, those are just a couple things. But, again, it says that that's not an all-inclusive list and that it can change over time. So maybe that's helpful to Sarah. All right. We have uh, five minutes to go, and we actually don't have any callers on the line. So if you have a question and want to slide it in, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or one 285 9348 outside of the Bloomington area, or you can tweet us at Noon Edition. Uh, so people should be preparing their soils now. Is that the main thing to be doing at as, this time of year? As soon as it's dry enough, but do not work in the soil while it's too wet. Because if you work in it too wet now, you're going to be battling the rest the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Turn into clods, hard rock car clods. So let it let it dry out so that you can work it and break it up easily. And don't work it wet. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing. The other caller who called in and said they'd been fertilizing, and then you said, "Oh no, you need lime." Um, how do you know what kind of fertilizer you might need? Well, if if moss is growing in your lawn, you know that you need uh, lime because uh, that's a byproduct of, of being an acidic soil. and But depending what type of plants you put in the soil, some of them need acidic soils. The azaleas and rhodes that, that we mentioned like acid in the soil. So you don't want to put lime around them. Right. I've got a little bed of, of acidic soil in my house. It's got one... Uh, rhododendron and a few other little things in it. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> But generally speaking, if you've got a soil that has so much moss on it, you know that it's too acidic for things like grass uh, and, you know, petunias and the general run of plants, tomatoes and all that. Uh, <clears throat> so do put... Do put some lime on it and then just a good all-purpose general if you're trying to grow grass some grass fertilizer mm-hmm. if you're if you're trying to grow flowers uh, something recommended for flowers 
Um, but uh, very often the reason you have moss is that there are big trees. And in that case, uh, the tree itself is using a lot of fertilizer. So you should feed the ground regularly like you would a lawn or something. Yeah. One one thing to remember is kind of a lesson on fertilizer. The first number, all fertilizers have three numbers. The first number is for the top growth. So if you're fertilizing a plant that wants, you want it to grow fast, use one with a high first number. The second number is to help help plants get established and to cause them to flower more. So uh, if you're fertilizing a flowering type plant, use one with a higher middle number. That doesn't mean don't have any of the other numbers, but the middle number should be highest if you're using a flower for a flowering plant or a vegetable or fruit producing plant. All right, we have one more caller I think we can get to here. So Dave is on the line. Dave? Hi. I I bought a uh, bleeding heart that is a bare root with a little plant above it, and I was thinking about planting that this weekend, but when I read the uh, package, it sounds like I should wait till a little later in the season. Do you have any thoughts on how how late to plant that? Do not plant it now. <laughs> Wait till like May. If it is sprouting and trying to grow, pot it. You want a okay. soil. You want a soil with a lot of organic material in it for bleeding hearts. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, then you can plant it out when the weather gets milder. Uh, and you can set it outdoors on nice days, but if it's going to go below freezing and it's got top growth, you want to set it in overnight. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Dave. Any other advice for people who want to transplant their, their house plants that they've been keeping alive all winter? When when should they take them out? Is that May, too? Yes, because... Yeah. You don't want to take them out and get them chilled uh, mm-hmm. because that's really hard on them. It's a big change. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, even... Uh, I mean, even if it gets cold on uh, indoor plants, even cold weather, not necessarily a freeze or a frost, uh, is sometimes hard on your in- interior plants. Mm-hmm. Sarah, any last questions? Uh, well, I did have a question about uh, transferring indoor plants. Are there rules about what size pot, like how much bigger you should go each time, or does any of that matter, what kind of soil you should use? Well, if you go to tremendously bigger, you're going to have trouble with the roots rotting and getting them too wet and uh, stuff like that. So if it's in a four, move it to a six, uh, you know, or if it's in a three, move it to a four. Um, that's generally... Okay. Yeah. All right. We're out of time. Always goes fast when we're talking about gardening. <laughs> I want to thank Helen May and Don Adamson. It's always a pleasure to have you here in the studio with us. So thanks very much again. And I want to thank uh, Patrick McGurr and Betta Boutier, our producers, along with Becca Costello, who's been our Facebook Live producer today, our engineer Mike Pashkash for Sarah Whitmire and Bob Salzberg, myself. Uh, thanks for listening.
Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from the Herald Times, featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports, in print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device.